This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Message of the Father's heart. We're still in um, the epistle of Peter. And Peter is still wrestling because he's at the end of his life. And he's writing this letter to all the Gentiles. He's basically telling them, you know what? You are going to suffer. Stay faithful. Now, this message is a hard one to hear if your home is here on earth. This is, a, this is an objective truth. That to think about dying is only scary if you're still wrestling with the reality of heaven. That if you in your mind don't really believe in heaven or that you're going to heaven, then the concept of death to you is horrific because you're still in the processing whether you really believe that there is a heaven or not. But if you're settled that there is a heaven, then, then you have hope. See, see, faith is, is something that anchors us to the past, right? We know what happened in the past. Jesus, Jesus died. We, we trust God kept his word. Love is what empowers us in the presence. We, we have love for our brothers and sisters, for God. That's why we're able to stay faithful to God. But hope, hope is what propels us on in the, in the future. Hope is something that we have confident, favorable expectation in. And, and during this time, as Peter's writing from Rome, remember, the Christians are about to be wiped out. Nero just had half of his 
kingdom basically burned down to build new buildings and they needed somebody to blame. So they began to blame the church. And as the church is being persecuted, Peter writes this letter to encourage them because a lot of them are giving up their faith. A lot of them are saying, you know what? I'm not going to die for this. I, I want to live. That's why you have to settle in your heart. And that's what Peter does in his, in his letter. He first focuses on salvation. You need to make sure that you know that you know that you're saved, that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. You need to settle that in your heart, in your mind for eternity because that is paramount. And then hopefully you're walking out a, a life of love, that you're loving sacrificially those brothers and sisters who who are in Christ. But here he, he asks to give him hope because he knows persecution is coming. Remember, Peter was executed upside down. He, he sees the writings on the wall. So he has to write to everyone saying, stay faithful, understand you're going to be resurrected. And the early church, that was their hope. That was their expectation. I'm, one day I'm going to be in heaven. That's, that's the ultimate end of my life. I had to preach several times on heaven because how can you be excited about somewhere you don't even know anything about, right? Like, I knew one day I was going to go to Disney World, but I knew Mickey Mouse was there. I knew Pluto, a goofy, whether he's a dog or a cow. Like, you know, like, I, I knew what was to come, but I never heard people talking about heaven, so if you're unsure about the makeup of heaven or what your role will be or are you just like a little cherubim in the clouds playing a violin, like you're not going to be excited about that. But here the early church was more than excited. They set their hopes on heaven. That's my hope for you today is that somehow in your heart you'll, you'll begin to think and contemplate how great heaven will be. Why? Because if Jesus died for you to get there, understand that that... That is someplace amazing that you want to be. Remember, heaven won't be in the sky. Heaven will be on the earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. The, all of creation will be refined by fire. And those things that remain will, will make it through the fire. But understand that heaven will be here on earth. You'll be given a renewed body. A body that never ages. A, yes, Lord. A body that doesn't grow old. The Bible says no more tears, meaning no more tears of sorrow. Heaven is where you want to be. And if you have that hope deeply in your heart, you can endure anything for God. And that's what Peter is saying. Josh McDowell says, no matter how devastating our struggles, disappointments, and troubles are, they are only temporary. No matter what happens to you, no matter the depth of tragedy or pain you face, no matter how death stalks you and your loved ones, the resurrection promises you a future of immeasurable good. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, this is Peter talking. Therefore, now he has just made them assure, of, he made them sure about heaven, about their love, about their holiness. Since all this is true, therefore, he gives an explanation. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. This is interesting. Arm yourselves also with this same mind. So he's saying, you're about to go through suffering. You need to think like Jesus thinks about suffering. For explanation indicated by the literary connective for, he who has suffered in the flesh has done what? See, that's the tough one there. Have you ever seen that before? I have. 
And I was confused every time I read it. But let's read it one more time. It says, he or she who has suffered in the flesh for Christ's sake has ceased from sin. That's one of the most powerful statements in all the scripture. That if you are willing to suffer for Christ, you will no longer be entangled in the web of sin. It goes on to say, so that he or she no longer should live the rest of his or her time in the flesh for the lust of men or Gentiles. Oh, I'll get there. But for the will of God. So what it's saying is if you make the decision, if you make up your mind, I'm willing to suffer for Christ and go through suffering, at that moment, your life changes. Because at that moment, you no, no longer live for the things that please the flesh or this body that's dying. But then from that point forward, you're living for God's glory. There's a hallmark here. There's a, there's a, a tipping point in your life. When you suffer for Jesus, when you're not willing to just, just pr protect yourself or preserve yourself, but you're willing to say, I'm willing to do whatever for Jesus, even if it costs me suffering, at that moment, something changes in your reality. I always say I remember that time when I was uh, out of the Vikings. I was downtown and there was this uh, um, Louisiana restaurant, Cajun restaurant downtown Hennepin. And I remember I was out there preaching Jesus on the street. I had just been cut at that time. At that time I was like two weeks. So it was like one week. So the next week, I'm downtown Hennepin preaching Jesus Christ. And I remember as I'm preaching, I hear somebody banging on the window behind me. It was Chris Walsh. He used to be like a special team guy. And he goes, oh, God, man, he's crazy. And I hear, turn around, and then the entire Viking officer line is there looking at me like, what is he doing? At that moment, I was like, well, I can't be any more embarrassed. I might as well give all I have for Jesus Christ. I remember finally coming to my dad and telling him I was called to be in ministry. At that time, my dad wasn't walking strongly with Jesus. And I remember I said, if I could, if I could let it be known in front of him that I'm just living completely for Jesus, then there's nobody else in the world I care about. I mean, as, as far as being embarrassed about. Like, I'm, I'm just telling everybody about Jesus. Like, I had already taken the step. I'd already been embarrassed for Jesus. So at that point, there was a psychological change I had. Because at that point, I don't care who knows I love Jesus. It's similar here. If you're willing to suffer for Jesus, there's a change that happens in your mind that says, you know what? It's all about heaven. So I'm no longer tangled in the cares of this world. Money no longer has a pull over me. Women no longer have a pull on me. Men no longer have a pull on me. Whatever it is, job, career, none of these things matter outside of being surrendered to the will of God for my life. It goes on to say, he's still, in a sense, commenting on this. The person who no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of many goes on for. We have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. He's like, this is how we used to live. Now, obviously, he's talking about external sins, but we know there's internal sins at play here too, covetous being one of them. He's like, that's how we used to live. But once we surrender to God, we are now changed. And now our goal is simply to do one thing, fulfill God's will for our lives. 
It goes on to say, I skipped all the way to verse 17. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin. Where? Where did the judgment start? Are you telling me judgment starts at God's house? And you say, well, that doesn't necessarily mean the church. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey or are persuaded by the gospel of God? So understand there's a judgment coming. And we know our theological circles say there's a beam of seed and a white throne of judgment. And we try to say Christians won't be, won't be judged. But then this scripture always trips them up. Because you're like, well, what does this mean? We know Peter's saying one thing. Judgment starts at the house of God. Now, is this saying you're going to be judged heaven or hell? That's not what this is saying. But still, we're held accountable for our actions in Christ. There's still rewards or loss of rewards we get. The scripture says some people will be like saved through fire. Now, they'll make it, but they won't have any rewards in heaven. God is scrutinizing, scrutinizing our life. He's looking. He's, he's analyzing. He's discerning. What we do matters after we're saved. So this is the point he tries to make. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And he's like, well... What is he really saying? Think about this. Now, if the righteous one is what? Scarcely saved. Scarcely. Scarcely saved. Where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? This is a tough one. Now, what this word scarcely means is through hard work. What hard work is he talking about? Suffering for Jesus. Staying faithful to the end. That's hard. And if we who are being saved have to go through all this drama to enter God's kingdom, he's like, man, what will those who reject Jesus go through in the end? He goes on to say, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Got a couple points that we're done for the day. Point one. Willingly suffering for Christ is the evidence you are free from sin and worldly lust. Now, we're in a culture today where we're like, we're scared to share our faith. I understand that. But this is far past that. That's like level five. This is like level a thousand. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Now, you may think, well, thankfully I never have to go to that. Maybe you won't. But I've personally met people in this lifetime who've died for their faith. I told you, I went to Iraq, and there there was like a mini revival in Iraq. But a, two months later, ISIS came down and slaughtered those people. We're in America, and currently we don't have to worry about that. But in China, we thought China was flipped. We thought China's going to be a Christian country. Christians are being persecuted left and right in China. And you think America's not going to be persecuted, the church? Right now, you, you have to have a specific stance on marriage. If you, if you come against it, you are persecuted. That's the beginning to the end. If you think it's going to stop there, wait. You can come back and hide all you want, but let me tell you what, it's coming. Because it's not a bad thing to suffer for God. I know in American church, we've been taught for years, God won't let us suffer He'll take us away. He'll rapture us up. He might. But the rest of the world is suffering. Everybody else is suffering. Suffering is not a bad thing. 
We don't want it. Who's going to pray for suffering today? Nobody. <laughs> and you're not alone. I ain't praying for it either. Let's keep it real, right? But if suffering comes, don't think for a second that you're out of God's will. And that's the point. It is possible that it is God's will that you endure suffering for Jesus Christ's sake. If people, you know, uh, I think I said this um, if a long time ago, they used to say on TV, uh, uh, baby, a husband and wife would be talking, or a girlfriend and boyfriend, would you love me if I, if I didn't have one eye? And the, 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 the person would be like, yeah, I love you. Would you love me if I only had one arm? And, oh, of course I love you. Would you love me if I only had one foot? And you're like, oh, of course I love you, right? Like, at what point would you stop loving that person? That was the point, right? There should never be a point. Regardless of how bad your spouse, your significant other has it, you should always love them is the point. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Um, you, would you still love me if you had to suffer for me? During the difficult times of following Jesus, understand that Jesus experienced them first. That's what I think leadership is. You never tell somebody to do something you yourself haven't done. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, look, suffer for God's sake. It's not a bad thing. No one wants to go through this. I don't want to go through it. I don't want you to go through it. I don't want my kids to go through it. But it's coming. And if it does come, it's important how you respond. Because there was a time Jesus said, if you deny me in front of others, I'll deny you in heaven in front of my Father. Denial was not an option. And I'm not talking about the river in Egypt. Remain faithful during the process of suffering for his will. Some of us suffer. Now, suffering is a broad word. There's a spectrum of things that go categories of degrees regarding suffering. But it all didn't have to be death. You could lose your job for Christ's sake. Just don't compromise. Just don't compromise. Like, God knew that time was coming. When you're, when you're put on front street for your faith, when people ask you what you believe, about whether it's, it doesn't matter what the situation is, what political issue it is, stand on God's word. Because when you compromise, you think, oh, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. That might be a good motive. But if you're compromising because you don't want to get in trouble, lose a job, lose income, you're out of God's will. God is your provider, not your job. God's will is your hope. You're like, Pastor, you're telling me all this. I'm like, look, I'm just telling you what the word says. God's will is your hope. Understand in eternity right now, in eternity where time doesn't end or begin in eternity we're held accountable for this in eternity God's saying either well done my good and faithful servant or he's not and I always say God's not going to say well done unless you've done well remember Jesus committed his spirit to God the Father while on the cross Jesus was about to die and he still trusted God for his future Think about that. I'm out of here. I, I'm not getting out of this, God. There's no way of me getting around this, but I'm still trusting you for a future. There's never a reason to stop trusting God. Never. 
This is a tough one. I knew everybody was going to be quiet. I'm like, okay, Lord, this will be a quick sermon. And we did a foot wash before. That was a good time. And then everybody shut me off after that. It's okay. It's okay. Did anybody learn anything today? Amen. What'd you learn? Say, humble yourself. Amen. What difference does it make for your life? Anybody? Amen. And that's what you could do with what you learn. Be full. Be bold for your faith. God has a plan for your life. And this is the trick you've got to get in your soul. That death is not the end. If you think death is the end, then you're going to be so confused about what's going on on the earth. If you think death is the end and you see all these people dying, you're like, man, I don't understand why God will allow this to happen. You probably will become an atheist. But death is just a door to Jesus for the believer. These bodies are even ours. We're renting these bodies. These are rentals. You know that? These aren't our real bodies. These are our test bodies. And we get our real body in eternity. We are being stewards, hopefully good stewards of these bodies. But one day you give it up. And if God asks this body, he asks for this body to be given in a sacrifice, don't think that he's left you. Don't think he's forsaken you. We pray for you. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this word, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that we, we don't shrink back, Lord God, from whatever will you have for our lives, Lord God. We pray for boldness, the time to stand when we need to stand, when we're scared, we're afraid, Father God. Help us, Lord God, have the courage to live our lives in a way that brings you glory and honor. We saw the sacrifice that Jesus made, the suffering he endured, Lord God. We see and know the, the suffering Peter endured, endured, Paul endured, all the disciples endured for you. Help us not shrink back from suffering, from being rejected for being disappointed, for being let down, for your great namesake, Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.